Today on the Profitable Tradie Podcast. Now we've seen it be heaven and we've seen it be hell. Well, we are getting into business partnerships. Scared of their best person leaving so they want to rope them in. It's very lonely at times. Someone can protect your, your blind side. A lot of different things that you're going to go through as a business owner. and It's the old adage, a problem shared is a problem halved. Problem is, you're both shareholders. One of you has a nice work car and the other one doesn't. And the thing is, most of them are doomed to failure when they start. I remember my dad once told me it's harder to get out of a mortgage than a marriage. I'd say it's harder to get out of a business than either of them, actually, in a lot of ways. You've got two heads are better than one. Uh, not always, but, you know, uh, can be as ideally long, as long as they're good well. heads. Today we want to get into, you know, how to stop it being a disaster, when to do it, and sort of how to go about it. Business partnerships are a topic that come up all the time. And it's really important to understand all the implications because it can be heaven or hell. You need to make sure you do your homework and you have good rules for how it works ongoing. Tune into this week's podcast where we detail all the ins and outs for making business partnerships work for your business. You're listening to the Profitable Tradie Podcast, where every week we help you make more money, get your time back and make life and business a whole lot more fun. Join us as we transform your plumbing, electrical or similar service business into a successful operation. Don't miss a beat. Hit the follow button. Let's get started. Hey, hey, Tony Fraser-Jones here, host of the Profitable Trading Podcast with my good mate and uh, business partner, Phil Smith. That's right. That's right. Partners in, uh, partners in moustaches as well right yeah, now. And in yeah. crime. And in crime. All kinds of things. Yeah, well, let's not spoil <laughs> the surprise. What are we getting into today, Chief? Well, we are getting into business partnerships, which uh, I think is a very exciting topic for a lot of people, you know. Um, definitely stuff that's crossed a lot of people's mind. I know when we talk to our clients, there's a lot of them which will either be in partnerships already um, or maybe they're thinking about taking on a partner or maybe have even a staff member already who they would one day see maybe buying into the business. So uh, I think the, the application is pretty far-reaching and if it's not something you've done already, it might be something you're considering, but there's definitely some pros and cons to consider. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it definitely a topic of conversation and uh, you know, maybe it kicks off because someone's like, scared of their best person leaving so they want to rope them in so they can't leave and yeah. you know, leave them in the lurch um, and we've seen it you know we've seen it be heaven and we've seen it be hell that's right well it's just kind of like any kind of marriage right uh, you know whether whether you like it or not you're pretty much marrying the person it's uh, there's just as much paperwork trust me in fact there's more yeah I remember when I got married I don't know about you but I was very surprised how little amount of paperwork it was considering all of the legal ramifications of um being married to Maya. It's a while ago it, since I did it. Honestly, it felt like there was like one or two signatures, whereas I swear I've never signed my name so many times when I figuratively married you. Uh, so it was a happy day too. Yeah, it was a happy Bells day. Bells were ringing, but photographs were taken. The consummation wasn't quite the same, but you know, like, anyway, here we are. <sighs> Thank goodness for that. Anyway, I think uh, I think one way or another, it's like it's like any marriage, right? Yeah, there's, um, there's, there's a, a lot, lot of to things it. that can work and, and not And work. so I think today we want to get into you know how to stop it being a disaster. Uh, when to do it, and and sort of how to go about it. Yeah, yeah, awesome. So I'm sure you have a story to kick us off. Well, I do. Once upon a time, there was a very handsome, slightly balding guy. <laughs> I wasn't slightly balding at the no, time. No, I was the handsome, <laughs> oh, slightly okay. balding guy. And uh, he employed this uh, young upstart who, uh, you know, had a good yarn. His, ha- his name happened to be Phil Smith. You might right. know him. No, I've never heard of him. And, Sounds uh, like a winner, though. Well, yeah, I hate to admit it. <laughs> he does have winnerish tendencies. Uh, anyway, oh, long story short, uh, myself and you are now uh, you know business partners, uh, and uh, so we've had some some personal experience with this. Yeah. Phil's actually bought into into this business, which is really exciting 
uh, for me and hopefully for you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's been quite a process and a journey. And this is a, a pod that I've wanted to do for a while, uh, but I thought it would be much better, you know, when we've actually done it ourselves. Yeah. Uh, because you you know you tend to learn some stuff from doing it. So uh, that's right. We've learned a lot through that process, but also obviously working with you know hundreds and hundreds of people who have been in partnerships, and uh, we've seen what you know what goes well and. Yeah, we've seen the good, the bad, and, and the ugly. the ugly and yeah. the absolutely abysmal. <laughs> Train wreck, atrocious. Yeah. 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 And the thing is, most of them are doomed to failure when they start, and that's probably one of the keys to, to, that is to understanding this. definitely one of the keys. And I think, uh, you know, before we get into that, I think the reality is that most people probably go into this with their eyes a little bit shut, and that's a euphemism for their stapled shut. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of things can go wrong. They can. Yeah. Maybe before we get into that, we should talk about why we do it. Oh, yes, that's we a good switch place it up? to start. Let's switch it up. The main reason I think people do this, if they're really honest with themselves, is um, is basically you know, tying in a key team member. Yeah. They want to hold someone. Uh, so it's a retention motive. And yeah. often it's because they think that if they lose that person, then their business and their life is going to fall apart. They can't imagine life without them. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely, um, yeah, that's a big reason. Uh, and, and sort of associated with that is, uh, that's at the desperate end of the scale, and then there's you know at the other end of the scale, sort of retention is if someone's got some really key skills or complementary skills, or you really enjoy working with someone. You know maybe you, you really don't like being on your own, and you find it much easier to just jam with someone else. So that's definitely you know one of the reasons people do it. Yeah, I think other reasons is um you know insecurity honestly can be a, a big a big driver. You know for example maybe I'm going to open another branch in another city and I need a key person to be in that branch, running that branch and so I think to myself, well why would they do that for me? You know without having a slice of the pie themselves. So I'm going to just give them um you know some some equity. Uh which in this case it's like you don't have to do that. Like I mean you have no idea why they would do it, but there are actually lots of reasons. Um Again, maybe you're going to send somebody to run a new division for you and you think, well, why would they run a whole division for me unless they had some equity? And it's like you're thinking with your own hat on, not with their hat. You know, you're looking at it through your lenses, not theirs, and there's probably plenty of reasons they'd do it. Uh, another big one, support. You know, um, honestly, business is a lonely game. Uh, it's it's very lonely at times. Uh, a lot of different things that you're going to go through as a business owner and not being in it alone is actually... Yeah, it's a pretty attractive thing. It's the old adage, a problem shared is a problem halved. That's right. Uh, and I think succession is another one. So, you know, maybe you're a little bit further down the track with your business and you're thinking about who's next. Uh, so that that's another reason. You bring on someone younger with, with energy uh, and has, you know, uh, really wants to make their mark. Uh, so that can be a great reason uh, as well. So those are sort of, I think, probably the, the, the key reasons. Maybe it might be because you need capital. That might be another reason. So... You're actually looking for for money for an expansion project. I mean, some people are looking for money to keep their business afloat. So I don't know how that would work. That would be <laughs> kind of weird for the person coming in. But hey, we've seen it all. Yeah. Uh, but you know, capital to maybe start a new branch or buy s- certain equipment or you know get get involved in a certain uh, industry, specific knowledge in another industry, or or you know, maybe it's a you know someone's excellent at, at solar, for example. Yeah, They'd bring a set, set of skills that you don't have already. Yeah, Th- those would be some of the key reasons I think why you'd think about business partnership. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I think you know, obviously, the next thing is uh, is basically jumping into some of the pros and cons here because yeah. can go really well, can go really bad, like we said. So, um, I mean, why don't we look at some of the, the positives? positives yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I think the first thing is that um, you do get to share the load, and it can reduce the stress levels. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's one thing. You've got two heads are better than one. 
Uh, not always, but, you know. Uh, can be. As long, ideally, as, long as, as, they're good hits, yeah, right? as long as they're good hits. As long as they're good hits, that's right. Uh, so it can reduce the stress levels and, and make you feel like you're not in it alone. Um, complementary skills, you know, that's a reason why, is, is like someone uh, can protect your, your blind side. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's uh, one of the reasons that our partnership is so important, uh, is that there's some things I'm really good at and there's some things that, frankly, I'm actually rubbish at. Yeah. And it just happens that the things I'm rubbish at uh, you're actually pretty good at. Well, we're kind of the inverse. It's funny, like uh, when when we write content for our members, you know, things like webinars and you know presentations that we do at our live events and things. Um, it's funny. I think neither of our content is is perfect on its own, but when we cross reference it with each other, it's funny how it goes from being pretty good to being really exceptional. Um, because the stuff that I bring to it and the stuff that you bring to it is like kind of filling the gaps if, if you know what I mean it's, it's fill the gaps yeah it fills the gaps I um, noticed you didn't say it Tony's the gaps but you know <laughs> well you know Phil's a good name um, but you know even even right down to you know we've done a lot of personality testing for example and if you look at like Wealth Dynamics like we're very complementary of each other it's not like the same dude twice yeah. it's well just, just so you know I'm a very creative person I have a million ideas and I want them all done now which is uh, stress, stressful as hell for everyone and for me mm. and Phil is he has lots of good ideas too Um but he's excellent at actually taking ideas and actually making them happen. Yeah, that's uh, right. And and I find that much harder. Yeah, my like my favorite part is not coming up with it; it's figuring out how we're going to actually make that real. So, I find my creativity in the in crafting the solution rather than coming up with the idea. And so, again, very complimentary. So yeah. that's big. I think uh, energy is a big one. This has actually been massive, and I think actually particularly for us as well. When I was once upon a time the employee uh, coming in on day one, it's you know it's a while ago now, but uh, I remember you know it was it was humming. The energy was really high, and and obviously you know you you got it from zero to where it was, and it was it was awesome. I think it's it's probably fair to say it's like again it's you bring in another person, and it's now you got double the energy and a new energy, and you know all the effort and and you know sort of blood, sweat, and tears it takes to get something off the ground. Often by the time it's off the ground you've expended a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And so bringing somebody else's blood, sweat and tears in just gives it a whole nother boost again because you're probably pretty tired after the first big I th- surge. I think this is a really important point, a really important positive for a business partnership. Uh, you know, I'm 49 uh, at the time of recording uh, yeah. and you are somewhat younger than that. Yeah, uh, and 33. Well, yeah. there you go. There you go. Uh, and um, as you age, you don't get... No, you don't get broken when you're 50 or whatever, but your energy is different. That's right. And, and slightly different things are important to you. Uh, mm. And so having someone else who can sort of, uh, with a vision and lots of energy, uh, really wanting to, you know, make their mark on the world type thing mm. uh, is, is incredibly helpful. And and otherwise what can happen as a business owner who's been around for a long time, you start to get a little bit, not maybe stale, but you also, it's not that you're not interested in growth, but the the motivation for it, particularly if you've got a relatively successful business, is not quite the same. It's no. not it's not that you're not motivated, but it's just that uh, it's a different hunger and a different energy. And you've uh, also just put a lot of energy in already. Well, and know? and the thing is, what you find, what I've found anyway, is that it's not that I didn't have energy, but I've got more energy when you're involved because I feed off that energy. Right, that's, that's really it. what I'm driving at. It's a complimentary energy. Yeah. It's yeah. it's again, two energies are better than one, right? That's right? So again, it's just a good boost, and it's not to say. As you say, it's not to say you've run out and you need someone to take over. It's to say, look, if you had someone else's to feed off, now you've got a big boost and it really helps you to drive through to a new stage. Well, and, and a new person helpful. can provide, provide a lot of the impetus for growth. Yeah. Uh, whereas the person who's been there for a while is, is, is a bit more like the wise head. 
Yeah, that's and, right. And can you know help sort of direct that in a in a in a way that's um you know going to be most beneficial. Yeah, totally. So again, very complimentary yeah. at times. Uh, look, I mean, no beating around the bush. You can retain key employees, yeah. and sometimes there are key employees that actually really it would suck to lose them. Um, now I think the key is you never want that to be meaning you're over a barrel um, because that's not a good place to make decisions from. But it also might be that keeping that person would would be extremely beneficial and that it's going to be better for both of you. And that Well, that's they, the key, isn't it? It's better for both of you. But it needs to be better for both of you. And if it is better for both of you, then that could be a really good way to keep them, you know, for a really, really long time. So It is. Yeah. Uh, and special skills too. You know, if someone does have some specific skills in an area, technical skills maybe, mm. uh, can, be, can be super helpful. Like say a plumbing business, you've got someone who's a plumber in a, a drain layer perhaps and they want to do gas work as well but they are not gas qualified. They might need a person who's gas qualified to sign off all that work, for example, might might, might be an example of that. Yeah, totally. I think lots of good positives. Yep. Um, and a few know, there is a flip side to this. There right? is a flip so side. <laughs> if, this, uh, if this goes wrong, yeah. uh, if you don't get this right, yeah. I think the first one is if you have been used to being your own boss, when you bring in other shareholders, it does limit your freedom. Like it's, it's different. Yeah, and it's you, definitely different. You can't treat your business like your own personal uh, cash vending machine. Yeah, uh, and so you you have to make sure that all your financials are above board. Now, if you're washing any, oh, let's just pause. Uh, anyone from the tax office, please bugger off. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't listen. For yeah, a don't minute. listen for a minute. <laughs> if you're washing through any you know personal expenses uh, that could legitimately be expensed, yeah, uh, you have to make sure that that's equitable between the partners, and that's a lot of faffing around. Yeah, uh, yeah, and so you've got to do that. Well, uh, I mean, like re- really good example. You bring on. Let's say you got a work ute. Uh, you drive your work ute everywhere you want to drive it because it's your work ute. Uh, and let's say you bring on a business partner, but that business partner is, their day-to-day role is, I don't know, estimator. And all they do is pricing and they don't go out to site and they don't meet with clients. So in that case, actually, it doesn't make as much business sense for them to have a really nice new uh, ute or pickup to drive around because they're not driving around meeting people. Um, problem is, you're both shareholders one of you has a nice work car and the other one doesn't. Uh, and so there becomes a fairness question there. Now, obviously, one way to sort that out could be that, well, I need it for my job and you don't need it for your job. But there's always going to be that underlying thing of, okay, cool, but you don't have to pay for your car or your petrol or your road user charges. Are you trying to tell me something, mate? Absolutely not. Uh, but, but, you know, but you get what I mean. It's like sometimes there are expenses which are even legitimate work expenses that also have a personal benefit. And at that point, you know, that can be a, a sticking point for some people. So Yeah, so, yeah. so uh, and you have a loss of freedom of decision-making potentially, depending on the structure. You know, yeah. if you're 50-50, then obviously you need to, um, you know, work through that. If it's a minor shareholding, it can be slightly different. Mm. Uh, but you do need to be aware that the shareholders have, you know, a little bit more at stake than your employees. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's a yeah, there can be a lack lack of uh, loss of sort of flexibility around tax and debt structuring and mortgage stuff because you know you go into the bank now with a set of company accounts which are two shareholders, and sometimes the banks will you know maybe look at that differently. Uh, so and you can't just use your business as I said as a way to wash out tax. For yourself personally. Even just the way that you take money from the business because you know, it might be that at the moment all you do is take drawings um, and you don't actually pay yourself a wage. Whereas 
And, you know, how much drawings do I take? Well, as much as I want, whenever I want. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter because end of the day I have to square it up. Whereas on the other hand, you know, you take on a business partner and suddenly you can't just take drawings whenever you want. Uh, Maybe it's better that you both take a fair wage. Uh, On top of that, you know, which obviously has its own tax ramifications. And then on top of that, when you take drawings, it's like you don't just take drawings, now you have to declare a dividend. And then that has its own, you know, complications. And so... There's definitely a loss of flexibility and also an increase in complication with how you take money from the business. Yes, it's been quite interesting. Yeah, I bet you've hated while. that. <laughs> I've gone back to a salary man. Oh, I do appreciate that, Tony. It's really oh, it's actually, anything it's for made, you, partner. It, well, it's actually made the accounts a lot cleaner as well, which, right. which means that when we're reading everything, I don't have to do a whole bunch of asterisks linking to separate uh, Excel spreadsheets. But anyway, that, other than that, we're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if things don't work out, obviously if the financial rewards aren't there or the person's not involved in the decision-making and life's no better than before for that, you know, the, the new partner, it's not going to be great. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's important to bear in mind. And and you think about you take on a, a new shareholder, but you've got some other key employees in your team. Maybe you you, you decide that your uh, your operations manager is going to be a shareholder, or your general manager, for example. Uh, but you've got your estimator and your foreman and all your other your key tradespeople. The relationship between the person you take on as a partner and them might change. It's like it's a bit weird now, and yeah. this person's kind of like. A boss. A they big were equal boss. and now they're not. They're not equal. So that, that can be quite interesting and it's not always positive. Uh, maybe yeah. those people who didn't get an offer, they kind of uh, you know, take their tail between their legs and do a big sulk. Yeah, they uh, get pissed off. They get slacked off. And so and plus there's a bunch of costs. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, my goodness, man. Oh, we yeah. don't get into that. Uh, so <laughs> Shareholder you know, agreements, yeah, construction costs. A whole, whole bunch of stuff. And, and let's be honest, if you want to sell the business, then you've got more partners involved. Yeah. Uh, so that that's another potential complication down the track. And if it doesn't work out, like any marriage, well, it's a bit of a cluster. It's hard to get out. And of. you have to unwrap it all. Uh, and so it's much, much, much more difficult than just handing in your notice and sorting off. That's it. Um, also, I mean, on top of that, there's even you know, performance issues. If one of you starts to underperform, I mean, it's hard to <laughs> separate the two. I remember my dad once told me it's harder to get out of a, um, a mortgage than a marriage. Uh, and I'd say it's harder to get out of a business than either of them, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, definitely some some potential negatives. Yep. So why don't we start unpacking um, basically how we do make this work because I think that will be the question. Yeah, on yeah. I think there's, there's a couple of parts to this. So the first part is what you do before you get into the partnership, and yep. I think that's incredibly important. Uh, so the groundwork that you do, the spade work, the due diligence, all that stuff is massive because that sets you up for success or failure. And most of the seeds of discontent down the track are a result of a poor effort before you get into the relationship. Well, it's like right. any most relationships, to be honest. Yeah. And probably if you look back, you can see the warning signs. And then it's what you do after you actually consummate the uh, partnership, Phil. That's right. Yeah. Uh, that um, you know, that to keep it working well. Well, that's it. I mean, you kind of got the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, but you've got the guardrail at the yep. top, right? Yep. And I think the key is is we'd rather not fall off in the first place. Yep. And so it's that pre-work that we can do, which really can set everything off on the right path. So should we start yep. with that? Well, my first thing is don't do this out of desperation when you feel weak. So if you feel that uh, you're doing this for desperate reasons and that the other person, in, and you're the you're the current shareholder, the current owner, and the other person in the negotiation or the discussion, if you feel like they're holding the whip hand, I think you need to be really careful. And this is difficult when it's an employee 
you know, maybe it's your operations manager and you just desperately need them to run the system. They're, they're, they're amazing, they do a great job and you, you cannot imagine life without them. And if that's the reason you offer them a partnership and what often happens is people will do this without any, even any buy-in, any yep. money down because they're desperate and that, you know, easy come, easy go. So you've got to be really clear about, you know, and honest with yourself, am I coming from a position of strength here or at least equality? Don't do it because you feel weak and you're desperate. Yeah. Anything that's done desperately basically never ends. It's well. going to be done badly. Yeah. Well, yep. it'll be done badly because it's not going to be it's not going to be equitable anyway. Well, it definitely at least puts pressure on things, right? It's kind of like a, like the shotgun wedding. Like yep. uh, you get pregnant so we have to get married and it's like hey, that can work out really well sometimes. I mean, I actually I know a couple that that's exactly what happened and they've ended up having a great marriage, but I mean, it's it's kind of rolling the dice, right? Um so you're better to not uh, not get into that situation, and I think um, I think on that is is you know know them for a while first, um, you know, date them for a bit if that makes sense. So I know um, I know for us it's like you know we knew each other for years before you know we ever decided to become business partners. So I mean you'd seen a lot of me, I'd seen a lot of you, and I mean you know for our listeners it's like you might be thinking about vetting somebody who wants to buy into your business. Um, give them time to vet you as well mm. because trust me, it'll probably be more exciting uh, for them than it is for you in a lot of ways because you have some benefits but also you're going to go to having a business partner but they're going to go from not owning a business to being a business owner. It's, it's actually a big step. They'll be super excited and they're probably less likely to be discerning about it. Um, well, they've got so the rose-coloured glasses on. That's it. So the thing is, is that you, you need to do this for you but you actually need to do this for them as well because they need to know what they're getting themselves into, or basically they're marrying a stranger, and so are you, which yep. would just be a bit of a silly thing. You need to see them go through some ups, some downs, some trials, some tribulations. What are they like when they're under the pump? How do they deal with stress? How do you know that that was them under a stress response before you see them in a different stress response, and was it bigger, was it worse? You know, like, you know, again, like, I've, I, I'd seen what you were like when you were under the pump, but I mean... In the first year, I'm like, that wasn't under the pump. <laughs> the business is probably 10 times bigger than it was when I first started. So, like, I mean, if we thought we were under the pump then, it's like, that was nothing. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, after all these years, uh, we've seen a lot of each other, and I think we're pretty pretty familiar with how each other works. So we actually know what we're getting into, you know? Well, um, I think uh, you probably want to, have, want to have had a few arguments or disagreements with the person definitely. and see how that rolls. Definitely. And, and you definitely want someone who will... Who will um, call you on stuff I met a mate the other day and he says um, he's about to get married and uh, I said to him I was like oh yeah you excited he's like yeah we never fight no. and I was like <laughs> I was like oh, oh, oh you will yeah 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 <laughs> you yeah. will he's like no we got nothing to fight about I'm like because you don't have kids yeah yeah that's right um, but, yeah 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 but uh, oh, yeah I mean it's like like please please have a fight first because otherwise like you're gonna get married it's like you will fight like this is not it's inevitable it's inevitable yeah. so and it's how you fight that's important that's how it. you deal you with learn conflict. so much yeah. from somebody when you see yeah. them in these situations yeah. so so I think that's that's great advice uh, I think um you really want to make sure that you discuss everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, so here, here's the problem, uh, and uh, this is another thing. Get great advice, too, uh, you know, from your accountant and your lawyer. Like, pay for good people, uh, and we've got some great advice. And uh, one of those bits of advice was, um, look, if you take someone on, and, and Phil's come on as a, as a, as a, you know, a, a minority shareholder, um, and that's cool, mm. uh, great opportunity. Um, but, you know, for a, for a person who's really... Um, talented and driven, they're going to want to know what the future is as well. 
That's right. You know, just because they become a shareholder doesn't mean that they're going to lose all their ambition. That's it. And so if you're bringing someone on, you've got to talk about how this looks in two years and three years and five years and ten years. And mm. you've got to talk about, you know, where they want to be and what you're comfortable with. Because if they want something that you're just never going to be comfortable with, mm. there's no point getting into a partnership. But most partnerships break down because they don't have those conversations. Yeah. So and try to consider it just on that note as well. Like when they become a shareholder, you don't need to give them the whole cake on day one. Like somebody can become, you know, only you could even sell them five percent or something you know it's, it doesn't seem like a lot but you could they get it five percent maybe you're going to sell them another five percent in a few years and and on and on and on like it doesn't it doesn't have to be you know taking on a shareholder doesn't mean it's 50 50 and it's certainly even if you were going to work towards 50 50 it doesn't have to be that right off the bat so you know you can work this up that's right but if you're as a as the initial um, shareholder if you're never comfortable with 50 50 and that's just not on the table then you need to have that discussion that's it and it may be that the other person's not entirely comfortable with that, but if you talk about it and they're like, yeah, I understand, and I can sign up to that, then that's you've had the discussion. So I think that's important. Yeah, uh, You need to talk about you know, potential exit strategies. What mm. happens if shit goes wrong? Yeah, uh, This is a really important one. Is that shareholder going to be comfortable potentially with other shareholders? Because if you do it for one, you might need to do it for more than one. Yeah. You might want to do it for more than one. So that's all those things are, are, are really, really important. Yeah, totally. You have to have uh, you know thought about as many different eventualities as you can and discuss what would we do if this happens, what would we do if that happened, because that way it's like we're clear, we've set expectations. I mean, we've previously done an episode on the podcast about you know unmet expectations, and you know it's it's exactly that. Well, this is the thing: anything that can go wrong in an employment relationship can go doubly, triply, tenfold wrong in a shareholding because yep. the stakes are higher and there's more at stake. That's right. And an expectation unset will be an expectation unmet. It's just that simple. Because That's, that's a very catchy you phrase. Like that? You like we that? should clip that we should and clip put it that. on TikTok. I think That'd so. That would go mad. You know, if you're getting into a partnership with someone, you're getting into partnership with their partner as well and their family. Oh, and yeah. you, So you really need to, you know, have a bit of an understanding of, of where they're at. So, you know, you, I don't know how to say this any other way, but uh, you want to be dealing with people who are stable. Oh yeah, and yeah. if they've got a really dramatic and difficult situation, personally or family-wise, honestly, I'd be careful. Yeah, well, because you're marrying that too, right? Yeah, this is like you marry you marry your partner, you marry their family. Um, and the thing is, is you're not just marrying their family. In this case, you're marrying their spouse. <laughs> it's like it's it's um you yeah, need so to know that you trust that. Yeah, well, and that that person is supportive and on board and is really excited about the opportunity as well. Uh, I think right. that that's that's really important. I think an easily overlooked piece of advice is um actually like and respect the person you're going into a partnership with. Um I oh, think bro. It, uh, I don't know what to say. Hey man, I like and respect you, Tony. Uh, I think I think the thing though is it's like often um you can you can miss what I said there that these are two different things and they both need to be a tick. You can't just like them and you can't just respect them. You need to like and respect them because, you know, you can think they're a great person, but, you know, respect them. I'm like, yeah, I mean, they're all right, but I mean, like, I'm way further ahead than they are or they don't really get it or, you know, I wouldn't take them too seriously. Or you could be like, I really respect them, but, you know, I don't really like hanging out with them. I'm like, you don't want to have just one of those two ticks. They need to both be there. I think it's just very important because you are marrying this person whether you like it or not. Well, it has to be fun. That's and right. that doesn't mean that uh, you're in each other's pockets 24-7, but it means when you're at work, you have a good time, you can laugh, you can talk some smack, yeah, uh, and just have a good time. I think that's massive. Enjoy it. One thing that I think is important is um, get great advice. Make sure you get an accountant and a lawyer 
to really go through things because they know some stuff about this that you don't do. I'm not going to get into all of that, but they can help you with a bunch of stuff. You need to get a valuation for the business. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you have an understanding of what it's worth. I think that's important, so it's all above board. And that, to me, leads to something that's really important is if if uh, if I'm bringing on a partner and if I see any of our members doing it, I 100% think that person needs to pay money. Oh, yeah. Skin in the game is crucial. Um if they're not willing to put skin in the game, they cannot have any equity. It's just that simple. Um, if you wanna, if you wanna play, you have to pay. It's just, it's just that in a nutshell. Um, and they have to pay the market valuation as well. You know, nothing about trying to make it easier for them. Or, oh man, they won't be able to afford it. It's like, well, they need to find a way. You know, it really is that simple. Like, they gotta take out a loan, or maybe you know, like, like literally, it's like if I had to sell my house to buy under a profitable trading, I would have done it. You know. Uh, it's it's you make it work. If you think it's worth doing, then you will do what you have to do to make it work. That's that's right. So it has to be. You know, people will value what they pay for. Yeah. Uh, and and if it's easy in, it's easy out. Yeah. And uh, you might think if you're listening, well, they don't have any money, and and uh, that might be, you know, the case. But here's my thing: I don't want to be in partnership with someone who hasn't got the ability to actually come up with some money because it tells me something about their their character, their financial habits. That's it. Now, they may not be able to come up with everything that they want to mm. uh, and maybe they have to have a smaller shareholding. That's or it. Or maybe you might even consider doing a little bit of vendor finance, but I would never do that 100%. And I think the thing to understand here is it's like, again, if they can't afford to buy in the amount, let's say you want to sell them 25% and let's say that they cannot afford 25%. Well, guess what? Then they have to buy 10 Look, if all you can afford is 10, that's all you can buy. It's just that simple. I can't give you the other 15%. I mean, you've just devalued your business. Not only that, but now, I mean, you've set a kind of weird precedent. And I just think it's it's like you tell your kids, it's like you were told as a kid, it's like you value stuff you have to buy yourself. It's really that simple. My son, at the moment, he wants to buy a Ben 10 watch. He's just absolutely out the gate about it. So first thing we thought is, well, let's make him do some chores. Uh, and he can save his way up. Uh, so we got a bunch of chickens, we got nine chickens at home, uh, and they lay a lot of eggs, so we thought well, we can get them to clean out the coop, and then I was like, well, you know, the thing is, I'm paying for all that stuff, for, for like, <laughs> feed and all these kind of bits and pieces, and so what we what we set up with him is, uh, now what he has to do is, he's got to clean out the coop, he's got to collect all the eggs, he's got to go around and ask for people's empty egg cartons and sort it all out, um, and all this, and then what I do is I actually deduct from the price he's able to sell them for, I deduct all of my costs, um, because otherwise he wouldn't have the damn things. Uh, and so, do you know, he makes about uh, 60 cents an egg when he sells them. <laughs> it's big money when you're five going on the six. The thing is, is the Ben 10 watch is 15 bucks. Like, he's going to get there pretty quick. But, like, you know, realistically, it's like he's learning a very valuable lesson here, and he will love that Ben 10 watch. Now, could I just buy it for him? Yeah, 100%, but it'd end up under the bed. You know, and I think that's that's really the lesson is, like, if you think about this, is this is not a Ben 10 watch. This is the business that you built out of nothing. Um, don't let them leave it under the bed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And when you've had all those discussions and you know you know that they're in a position to actually contribute, you do need to have the legals put together. Uh, obviously, you'll have a, uh, you know, there's some, a bunch of stuff around buying and selling shares and you'll figure that out, but you do need a shareholders agreement. This is very important. Mm. And that basically sets out how things are going to go. Uh, and so it'll include things like restraint of trade. You know, you can't sort off and do something else. Mm. It'll detail what the sale process is if you want to go through a sale process. Or if you want to buy more shares, you know, first right to refuse, all that sort of stuff. It'll have bad lever events, you know, if one of you misbehaves, how, how does that get dealt with? It'll uh, have mediation processes in there. It'll have the dividend policy in there, so how are you actually going to do that? It's all written down. Now, you have it written down and you have those 
niggly, frustrating, uh, annoying uh, sayings or, or discussions so you can write it up and then you can put it in the drawer because if you have them, you probably never need them. Yeah, that's but it. But it's there and everyone knows how it works. Like that Sylvester Stallone quote, rather have a gun and not need it than yep. need a gun and not have it. Yep. So and that's, that's exactly what it's that. about. Right. So, so I think that's what you need to do beforehand. beforehand. Uh, and then afterwards, uh, there's really a, a couple of things. Clear financial management. Oh, yeah. So regular accounts every month. It's tight as. So everyone knows you know, where it's at. Yeah, uh, and and everyone's able to access that, and it's shared widely. That's that's important. a big one is access because a lot of the time, you know, you may take on a partner, and you may have just you know cleaned up all your financials, uh, you know, all the way through, but then they don't have a login for the, the accounting software and just things like that. You know, it's a small thing to think about, but you want them to have the transparency and access as well because then that way everything's above board, everybody's clear, everybody knows what's going on. It's super important. Well, and this is the thing. Uh, when I take on a business partner, I want to share my knowledge and teach that person to become a business owner. And so part of that apprenticeship is learning all that stuff. Right. Uh, and so I think if you're doing that, you want to get them across that. So uh, clear financial management is, is incredibly important. Yeah. Clear dividend policy that should be outlined in your shareholders agreement. How How's that going to get done? Yep. Uh, and then it's regular comms. That's the key, really, like that any marriage. It. So you yeah. have a set cadence of meetings. Mm. So, you know, we meet as shareholders every quarter yep. and you and I meet uh, twice weekly operationally mm. to talk yep. about where things are at with the business. And yep. so there you can have the discussions about where things are at. And if there is a problem or a frustration, uh, and you mentioned, you know, gave me some feedback about some stuff I needed to work on today. Yeah. And I was really, pre- it wasn't easy to hear. It's never easy to hear. No, but I really appreciated that. So you've got to have those conversations about where things are at uh, so that any little resentments or frustrations get dealt with. Mm. And you can carry on because yeah. you're not going to agree about everything. You, well, it's, you t- it's ironic, you know. We talked about, um, you know, you have to be able to get to know how people operate, and it's funny because once upon a time, uh, we we had a really bad patch of communication. Um, you know, this is before I was a shareholder, and we had a, a little patch. It was kind of funny. We just kind of didn't talk to each other for like two, three months. It was it was, it was nuts, and like it was funny. I think like, we were both kind of unhappy about a few things, and. The funny thing was, um, we just kind of didn't talk about it, and it festered, and it was just, it was just silly. It well, was I don't just think silly. We, we didn't want to hurt each other's no, feelings. No, we, we went. Well, that was it, and, and it's like crazy. don't get me wrong, like, like it's not like we were really even angry at each other. We just didn't want to have to have the conversation. And it's funny. Then what obviously we did is that when we finally talked about it, it was like a big sigh of relief. And it's like, oh, we should have just talked about this earlier. Uh, and so we made a we made a commitment that it's like, hey, we'll talk about stuff, you know, more honestly and openly and more frequently. Um, and we actually stuck to that. And so, like, firstly, big learning is like, well, this is going to work because we can do this. Uh, we just needed to say it was all good. Um, but secondly is we've always carried that through, and we, we actually have time made for it. And so we have these regular meetings where we can communicate. There's a place for it. That, I think the key thing here that there is time made for it, so it has to be booked in mm. advance in your calendar as a non-negotiable because yeah. you don't just say, oh, well, we're going to meet nah, you know, here. That, that old about that, my doors always open. That's forget bollocks. that. That's yeah, that, not a real that doesn't thing. work. Yeah. Uh, and and this applies to all management of your business. You've got to have your meetings locked in, otherwise they just never happen. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's that's massive. Have them locked in so you know you've got the opportunity to do that and don't let things be unsaid. And hey, you might get a few years down the track and you do need to rediscuss the expectations. Yeah. And that's fine, you do that. It's like we say, it's the time for each different type of chat. We have two for me and you, it's, it's twice a week we meet about operational stuff. Uh, there's a portion of time in each one of those meetings where we can talk about any you know concerns or anything like that, and we usually will round out those meetings with just a how how are you going as well and a yep. bit of just catch up. 
Um, but, you know, quarterly we have a shareholders meeting and, you know, you do also have to make regular time, even if it's just once a year, just to talk about goals and vision and are we still in alignment? Are we still after the same things? Are we still trying to sing from the same hymn sheet? You know, like, does this still make sense as a partnership? Because times change, business changes and people change. You know, like, um, what you want now is, is not necessarily what you want in five years' time. And so you just need to make sure that you're constantly checking in and communicating and, um, and you know, staying in alignment because you don't necessarily even have to have the same goals to still be in alignment, you know, but, but there needs to be alignment between each of your personal goals as well. So yeah, yeah super and important. That's, the business can deliver uh, uh, multiple outcomes. It can work for all of you. They don't have to be exactly the same, and that's, that's fine. It's no problem. Yeah. Uh, so shareholding, it's potentially a great opportunity. Uh, there are some alternatives to it as well, which, um, you know, if you are finding yourself feeling like you're bent over a barrel a little bit to do it, uh, please don't. Yeah. Uh, you, you're starting off on the wrong foot. So you know, there's some things you can do. You can make the basically that, that key person's uh, remuneration, just make it really more attractive. Like 100%. Just pay them more, better conditions, work on the culture and the environment of the business. Yep. Uh, you know, you basically take pricing off the market for that employee. They are basically can't get what you're offering them anywhere else, and it might only be an extra 10 grand. But that may be a much better spend than going down the whole path of actually doing the, the ownership thing if you're not really comfortable about it. Well, a couple of stories really jump out at me here. Number one, um, I just got off a webinar recently with Alex Omozi. Obviously, he's a um, you know, pretty pretty big name. Um, and for him, he, he's actually mentioned he has an, a particular employee, employee who gets paid like a million dollars a year. So the thing is, it's like, but that person's not a shareholder, right? They, they just have a really, really great salary. Mm. And so the thing is, it's like, you're still locking them in. They're still stoked to be there. They're still off the market. It's pretty hard to employ that person when that's what he gets paid for Alex. Um, but the fact is, is like, not a shareholder. Um, and again, if you look at, for me, my favorite story of this, it was actually one that's always stuck with me is um, in the book Shoe Dog, about uh, Phil Knight, the guy yep. who started Nike. And uh, he, he mentions, he's like, if I gave equity away every single time someone deserved it, I wouldn't own any of Nike. Uh, and classic example, Sonny Vaccaro, who yep. ended up bringing on Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan. Um, you know, and <laughs> changed the game for Nike. Like, that was, you know, probably the, no, one the of the world, biggest. Really. So yeah, changed the world. Changed professional sport, changed sponsorship deals, you know, world all over for, for life, really. It's pretty monumental. Um, that guy's not a shareholder. <laughs> Doesn't even work for Nike anymore. <laughs> Doesn't even work for Nike anymore. You know, like so. The thing is, is like, did he get rewarded handsomely? Oh yeah, like definitely. Um, was it worth it to Sonny? A hundred percent. But did Sonny have to become an owner just because he did some useful stuff? What? No. Like this, the, these things are not necessarily having. This to is be the linked. thing. You pay people for their work. That's I right. I mean, you and I are still paid in our business for our. We get That's salaries it. for our work. Uh, so you you pay them properly and you. Don't necessarily need to think about. You don't need to be a business partner. It's a different. No, that's thing. right. You, or maybe second option might be you've got an employee bonus scheme. So you know something, some reward based on performance, profitability, etc. So that can be really motivating. Uh, yeah. And lastly, you know, you could have like a it's kind of like a phantom shareholding where you have a, a scheme where mm. there's a, a certain set of um, profit that's put aside for 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 uh, employees. Yeah, uh, it's a nothing in, nothing out type arrangements. Just some dividend sharing. So that's another option, which is kind of like a halfway house. Yeah, uh, they got no voting rights, no real control, but it's a bit of a mess to set up and stuff. But that's another option. Yeah, and I think end of the day is like with a lot of these alternatives. If you think about the come from for your current employee or whoever it is that you're thinking of taking on as a business uh, partnership, a lot of the time what they actually want is just more money. <laughs> 
like really a lot of the time that's that's what people want when they're coming to you for this they may not necessarily want to be figuratively married to you they may not necessarily want to be figuratively married to the business um they may not even want to be a business owner they just want a piece of the pie and so the thing is is like when you start talking to them about profit you know they may come to you even if they just say i just want to get a share of the profit you're like cool so when we lose a hundred thousand dollars in a month you owe me 50 grand out of your personal money like and they'll be like oh what nah 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 and come on like no no that's how it works you're on the hook baby that's how it works it's like when we make money you get a share but when we lose money you share in that too and and you can't take it out of next month's profit it's like nah you owe me today yeah so we owe the business yeah the business so i think that's the key is like often when you start getting into those details what can sometimes happen is that uh, that person may turn around and say, actually, for me. I don't want to do that. I actually just want to be paid more. And some people don't have the, the risk tolerance to be an owner, and that's okay. That's right. Uh, so you've got to assess that. Yeah. Uh, one thing that um, that is very important for me as a, you know, bringing on a partner, bringing on yourself is, uh, and I know this is for a lot of people, and it, I think it's a good motivation, is it actually gives you an opportunity to give someone an opportunity that yeah. they may not have otherwise had. Uh, and I think that's pretty cool. That's uh, that, That's something that... Uh, really gets me excited about business and life yeah uh and the thing with that when you do that i think also as a business owner you've got a responsibility to make sure the business keeps growing yeah uh, because if a new shareholder comes on they're going to want to get value from their investment exactly and so they want the investment to be more than it was obviously to get profit out but you know the value of the shares it becomes an equity game that's and right. you're actually starting to turn your business from just an income producing thing to an asset that has value that you can potentially realize yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's huge. that's quite a different mindset, and so it's yeah. a whole balance sheet mindset. So that's pretty exciting and pretty that's, cool as well. That's actually really cool. But again, got to be the right person. So 100%. let's land this plane. Yeah, so employee shareholding, it's a great opportunity. It can be heaven or hell. just depends how you do it. And the way to make it work well is to do the work up front, do the planning, have the hard conversations, get all your ducks lined up, and then communicate well and make sure all the financials are clear down the track. That's all for now. Take good care. We'll catch you again next time. See you later. Next week on the Profitable Trady Podcast. It's a real challenge as a business owner when you don't have enough work and the desperation kicks in and you know you need to get leads. And there is a tendency sometimes to use someone like a marketing agency who seems to promise the earth. Tune into next week's podcast where we go through the do's and don'ts of marketing agencies which will avoid you getting taken to the cleaners. Congratulations on being part of a select group of savvy business owners who are taking their businesses to the next level. And to help you on your journey, don't forget to check out our show notes for a copy of our free book, The Profitable Trading, and other valuable resources. Thanks for being a part of this special group, and we'll see you in the next episode of The Profitable Trading Podcast.